Tech Writer Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 626 for the 20th of January, 2019. This week, getting more than you paid for is a welcome change from the usual, and there are hundreds of free and low-cost applications that sometimes compete well with commercial programs. In short circuits, if you decide you'd like to try some of those free applications, the next challenge is how to get them. Two excellent resources exist. Every Windows computer has a taskbar, and there are ways to make it more useful. Let's consider some of them. And in spare parts, only on the website, this week is that 10-year photo challenge on Facebook dangerous or just good fun. And Kroger is working with Microsoft to redefine the way we buy groceries. If you want the best software, sometimes you have to be willing to pay nothing for it. Some freeware applications aren't worth even nothing, but others are as good as the applications you'd have to pay for, sometimes better. Let's take a look at some of the good ones this week. Two weeks ago, I mentioned UltraEdit and UE Studio, a text editor I've used for more than 20 years, but I also keep a copy of Notepad++ on the computer. Both applications are robust and offer a lot of features. UE Studio's features are all built in, but features can be added to the more basic Notepad++ by selecting Plugins. Installing only the needed components keeps the program size small, so it loads faster. After nearly 25 years, I'm completely familiar with UE Studio's operations, and it remains my primary text editor. Still, Notepad++ is handy when I just need to view a text file and do it quickly. I have a link where you can download Notepad++ Direct, but later in the program I'll tell you about other ways to obtain some of the free applications. Next on the list, FileZilla. It's a free file transfer protocol or FTP application. I have never found a more comprehensive FTP client either free or paid. FTP clients, as the name implies, are used to transfer files. It's the application I use to upload website, podcast, and RSS files each week. Not everybody needs an FTP client, but it is essential for website developers, and it might also be helpful if you need to download files from a company that places them on an FTP server. Most browsers can handle FTP connections for downloading files, but a true FTP client is a better choice if you need to download files frequently, if you have to upload files, and if you want to transfer files using a secure encrypted protocol. That would be either SFTP or FTPS. Inside your computer, there's a lot of stuff. That's a technical term, stuff. It's in everybody's computer. And there's an application called Specky that helps you see what's going on under the cover. This used to be an application from Piriform, but Piriform seems to have been acquired by the CCleaner folks. There's still a free version, but there's now a paid version that claims to show more information, automatically update itself, and come with support. The free version displays information about the computer's processor brand and model, 
hard disk drive sizes and speeds, how much memory is in the computer, what operating system is running, and the capabilities of the graphics card. In other words, I think the free version is all you need. Here's a situation you may have encountered a time or two. What do you do if you try to delete a file only to be told that you can't delete it because some other application is using it? Well, you could choose just not to delete the file, but that's really not a good solution. In some cases, you will be told which application is using the file, so then you can just close that application and delete the file. But sometimes you'll need to review all of the running applications just to see which one or ones might be using the file and then close them one at a time until you find the one that's really locking the file. Or you could put a sticky note on the monitor to delete the file the next time you start the computer. There's a little free application called Lock Hunter. It'll tell you which application or applications have control of the file and offers several options for deleting them. There are free applications for safety and security, although I recommend the paid version of Malwarebytes in addition to whichever antivirus program you're using. There is a free version that offers most of the paid version's capabilities, but without any of the paid version's automation. Malwarebytes has been designed to work with all antivirus applications. Now, installing two or more antivirus applications is a bad idea. They simply get in each other's way. Malwarebytes, on the other hand, plays well with protective services. Virtually all of the antivirus applications have free and paid versions. And get this, the free versions provide all the protections of the paid versions. What they omit are some of the extraneous functions that often don't do very much to improve security, yet noticeably reduce the computer's performance. So just stick with the free ones. In fact, I recommend using Microsoft's Windows Defender on Windows 10 computers. I've long maintained that the best team to build the protective software for an operating system is the team that built the operating system. As a built-in component, Windows Defender is pretty well positioned to deal with viruses and other threats and with ransomware. Now, regarding ransomware, I've previously recommended Cyber Reason's ransom-free application to protect against it. I can no longer recommend it because Cyber Reason has withdrawn the application. The company has decided to discontinue availability and support for Cyber Reason ransom-free. If you currently have ransom-free installed, it will continue to work, but the application can no longer be downloaded, and Cyber Reason will not maintain or provide corrections, updates, or new versions of the software, and they say they will not provide any support to customers who continue to use it. You know, there's an old saying about closets. Stuff expands to fill the available space. That's true for disk drives, too. Your computer has at least one disk drive, and it may have more. Mine has a boot drive, four physical data drives that present as six logical drives, and a network drive. Clearly, I'm not smart enough to delete the things that I no longer need. But the problem with deleting files is that, almost invariably, I suddenly need any file that I've just recently deleted. So disk space is relatively inexpensive these days, and I generally don't delete files unless they're ones that I created for temporary use and stored in a temp directory. The problem with that approach is that sometimes it's difficult to find a file that I need. There's so many of them. And that's where Agent Ransack arrives to save the day. 
This is an application that can examine any drive or drives to search for files with any word or words either in its name or within the file. It is one very handy application. And that leads to Windows Explorer. It has a single pane, so copying files from one location to another is easier if you open a second instance of Explorer. I don't like that method. You could also use QDIR. That stands for Quad Directory. It can display up to four directories at a time. Although QDIR is free, the first time you start the application, you will be presented with a license screen. It happens only the first time you open QDIR on each computer. And it is free. Color coding files is a plus, and the ability to display two, three, or four directories is something you won't want to give up. If you've ever deleted a file accidentally from a Windows computer, you know you can get it back. Well, you can get it back sometimes. Some files are too large for the recycle bin, and files deleted from USB thumb drives, network drives, or memory cards do not go to the recycle bin. A program you might think should be pronounced Recuva is actually pronounced the way a Bostonian might say Recover, Recuva. It's a program that can help with memory cards and thumb drives and any other drive on your computer. The trick with any recovery application is that you need to do it quickly because space occupied by the deleted files will eventually be overwritten when you save new files. If you've formatted the disk drive, the chances of recovery are smaller, but when I ran Recover on a formatted USB drive, it found not only the 200-plus files that I had deleted most recently, but even some files that had been deleted several months before. This is a useful program to have around. And last in my list of applications, LibreOffice. It's a fork of the OpenOffice project. Just about everybody needs a word processor and a spreadsheet application. You might also need to create on-screen presentations and graphics or work with databases. Microsoft Office does all of those tasks, but so does LibreOffice, and it's free. If you need to exchange documents regularly with an individual or organization that uses Microsoft applications exclusively, the program might not work for you, despite the application's ability to read and write Microsoft formatted files. Otherwise, the applications have more than adequate capabilities for home offices and small office users. There is, in fact, no shortage of inexpensive or free applications available that are sometimes as good as or even better than commercial software. Your primary cost for free applications is the time it takes you to analyze and become familiar with them. short circuits, free applications are sometimes available from the developer's website and from repositories such as SourceForge, CNET, and FileHippo, and a lot of others. Maybe you've heard that free programs sometimes come with unwanted extras. That is true, but you can avoid the issue. Developers may include additional applications, but they're usually clear about what they've added. The repositories, not so much. You'll find phony download buttons that are attempts to trick users into installing an application they don't want, and the download link for the application might be all but hidden. Fortunately, that practice is a lot less common than it used to be, but the installer still may include applications you didn't ask for and don't want. 
Using the Advanced or Custom Install option usually lists unwanted extras and allows the user to omit them, but there is a better way. Ninite is an application free for home use. It knows about 87 of the most popular free applications for Windows. There is a paid commercial version intended for enterprise use. It recognizes 115 apps, but it costs $50 per month for up to 50 computers. Now, clearly, that's a non-starter for home use, but there is a $10 option, $10 per year, that makes the process better. I'll tell you about that in a minute. To use Ninite, visit the website and build an installer with the apps you want to install or keep updated. Run the app occasionally, and Ninite will install any applications that aren't present and update any that have new versions. The problem with that is that you have to remember to run it. The Ninite Updater, which costs $10 a year, updates the process by checking frequently and letting you know when updates are available. For families and small businesses, Ninite offers a one-year subscription for five machines at $30, 10 machines at $50, and 25 machines for $100. That's an annual cost. As of mid-February, Ninite will no longer support Windows XP, Vista, Server 2003, or Server 2008. Windows Server 2008 R2 will continue to be supported, though. Microsoft ended support for XP back in 2014 and did support for Vista in 2017. Many of the applications on Ninite no longer support XP and Vista. So eliminating support for the older operating systems will allow the developers to use newer technologies, and that will allow for new features to be added, improved performance, and increased security. There's a link to download Ninite from the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. And as much as I like Ninite, it doesn't know about thousands of other free applications. The Older Geeks website doesn't offer any automation, but it does offer downloads with as the site puts it, no ads, no crapware, no BS. There is an option to donate, and if you use the site, please do. In addition to the website, Randy and Dina McElveen have a presence on Facebook, and they post updates and tips every day. Check out the Older Geeks website. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. Windows taskbar is powerful, probably more powerful than many people give it credit for. Besides customizing the taskbar, you can customize the applications that live on the taskbar and create customized jump lists that can make using applications faster and easier. Let's start with the basics. I place a lot of applications on the taskbar because I prefer a crowded taskbar to a crowded desktop. Besides that, I have to minimize or move applications to get to the desktop, and the taskbar is always there, right at the bottom of the screen. Now, the Windows key, of course, opens the Start menu, or the Start screen, so there are many ways to start applications. Because I place a lot of applications on the taskbar, I set it to use small icons, and I use two layers of icons. Then I lock the taskbar so that I can't accidentally resize it. 
Right-click in a blank area of the taskbar, not on an icon. In other words, it's in a blank area. And you'll see a pop-up menu. The first item in the menu is toolbars. I'll come back to that in just a bit. In the next section, you can decide whether to show or hide Cortana's icon, the Task View button, People, Windows Ink, and the Touch Keyboard button. Although it's in the Taskbar Adjustments, the third section changes how any open windows appear on the desktop. They can be cascaded, stacked, side-by-side, -side, or hidden. Hidden is another way to say, show the desktop. I don't like any of those options because I size windows and place them where I want them. The fourth section has just a single option, open the Task Manager. There are lots of other ways to get to the Task Manager. In the fifth section, you can lock the taskbar and open taskbar settings. So the most powerful functions are at the top, toolbars, and at the bottom, taskbar settings. Toolbars by default will include the address and links options. I don't display either of those because they don't offer enough benefit to take up the valuable real estate on the taskbar. You may also find options for installed applications and possibly one for the computer manufacturer's utility program. Choosing Taskbar Settings at the bottom of the menu opens Settings, gee, what a surprise, formerly the Control Panel, and there you can set a lot of options. You can lock the taskbar. I enable that one so I don't accidentally resize it. You can automatically hide the taskbar in desktop or tablet mode. I keep the taskbar visible at all times in all modes. Here's where you can also choose to use small taskbar buttons. Because I have so many icons on the taskbar, I choose small icons. Even if you have only a few icons on the taskbar, small icons will use less of your valuable screen real estate. There's an option to use Peek to preview the desktop. I turn that on, but I really don't have a good reason for doing so. The desktop image changes every 10 minutes, and if I wonder what's there, the peak function does allow me to see that easily. Otherwise, it's not too terribly useful. You can replace the command prompt with the Windows PowerShell. I turn that on because PowerShell can do everything the command prompt can do, and a lot more. Next option allows you to show badges on taskbar buttons. Besides being another feature that takes up too much valuable space, this option is not possible with the small icons, which I prefer. You can also choose the taskbar position. It's at the bottom by default, but maybe you'd like it at the top, or the right, or the left. It's up to you to decide. And there's an option to combine taskbar buttons. The options here are never, when the taskbar is full, and always with hide labels. My preference is always to combine the taskbar buttons because it conserves space. You'll also see options for the notification area, formerly called the tray, and for system icons. These can be enabled or disabled. If you have multiple displays, you can choose to show the taskbar only on the main display or on all displays. And if you put the taskbar on all displays, you have a further choice. You can choose to display all icons on all monitors, all icons on the main monitor, and only those that represent open applications on the monitor with the open application, or to show the icons only on the monitor with the open application. There's more, though. Right-click any taskbar icon to see a list of documents that you've recently opened in a program, and if you want to reopen one of those documents, just select it from the list. And if there's a document you use frequently, click and 
pin the icon to keep it in the jump list. In other words, make the taskbar your friend. And you can also make spare parts your friend. You'll find it on the website and only on the website. This week is that 10-year photo challenge on Facebook dangerous or just good fun. And Kroger is working with Microsoft to redefine the way we buy groceries. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.